0: Time to get physical. This is Necessary Roughness on 89.1 FM, and now your hosts, Alex Silverstein and Matthew Mendoza.
1: welcome back to a summer edition of Necessary Roughness. I, Alex Silverstein, alongside Matt Mendoza, are here for another episode. And today we've got a special guest. First type of episode we've done like this, uh, interview style. Uh, We've got a Super Bowl champion. We've got an Olympics uh, performer. We've got, you know, a a great human being uh, alongside of us. And that is Nate Ebner of the New England Patriots. Uh, formerly of the New England Patriots, uh, rugby superstar, just a, a super interesting life. We, we we can't wait to talk to him. Nate, thanks so much for joining us today.
2: Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I, 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 I want to get started, you know, just briefly touching on your upbringing. Uh, super interesting stories throughout your childhood revolving all around the, the, the leadership and fatherhood uh, that, that, you know, your dad really played a big role. It seems like, and and you know, I, I the, the first story of the ski slope really jumped out to me in particular as you know something that my dad would do too. And it seems like he set the tone pretty early on that you know education was was going to be sort of you know his way of 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 raising you. And it seemed like he had his own curriculum of you know value systems that he wanted to sort of instill in you. And you mentioned in the book that that the weight room sort of served as the classroom for your dad to sort of instill all of these values obviously rugby played a big part of that for you as well and I'm wondering just as it relates to the weight room because you know you start with your dad in this makeshift weight room in what seems like is is, is in a garage uh, and yeah. you know then you, you you go to Ohio State where I'm sure the weight room you know played a much different role in that, you know, I'm sure you you're, you guys had scheduled lifts. I'm sure, you know, that was much more regimented and I can't even imagine, you know, what that relationship, you know, sort of evolved to with the Patriots. So how would you say, you know, from the first time you ever stepped in the weight room, you know, with your dad sort of evolved into that relationship, you know, as a professional sort of having that duty to sort of maintain your body and upkeep and sort of ha- how those values, that your dad sort of set in you in the weight room, you know, stayed with you as it relates to sort of your workouts?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I will say about my dad, you kind of alluded to how he taught me things. And a lot of it was through process, trial and error, mm. and uh, just not being afraid to try things. And that's kind of how we lived life. And with that not being afraid to try, when we try let's try with everything we have. And um, that was kind of the mantra. But Early on with the weight training and the weight rooms and stuff, he got me to a point of just really enjoying the process, enjoying what I was doing, enjoying seeing my work uh, show and my results that I would have. And he was very adamant about making me see those results so that I knew that the work that I was doing was paying off. And um, it was a fun, competitive environment between the two of us that uh, was something that he got me in in such a graceful way to look forward to and really enjoy and, and yearn to go have our weight room moments and and, and try to get better. And, um, you know, that that I, I don't know how he did that so, so gracefully, but I hope I can do half as good as an effort if I have kids one day to, to you know, get them to love working out as much as, as I do. And um, once you kind of have that love for the weight room, um, it was easy to transition that you know, trying to grow, trying to make yourself a a better athlete or whatnot, Um, trying to fight against your, you know, inner mind that's telling you to quit and and silence that voice with a a stronger, more positive, uh, encouraging voice. And that practice, once you're, you know, doing that enough, you, that, you know, almost becomes addictive in itself is, is silencing that doubt within you. And, you have a lot of that when you get into that high profile training, like Ohio state or, you know, the Patriots, but especially in college, especially in college, because, you know, they're not paying you. So they're just going to get every single thing out of you that they can. And some of those college programs are extremely difficult. And I went to some dark places, but um, you know, to, to go through that and then, you know, find out, yeah, I, I can make it through and, I just positively encouraged myself through it and I got through it. Um, You know, those things are, are awesome and give you a lot of confidence, but those programs are extremely hard and I wouldn't have made it through had I not enjoyed the grind as much as I did as just a fundamental base for me in weight rooms and training and really in life. So um, that early on lesson was huge for me, just, and the day-to-day grind the weight room grind what whatever the physical grind might might be um I've always been able to handle that well because of that foundation I have with my dad and I was able to transition that um into being a professional because a lot of professionals struggle with the fact that you have to train like that you know yeah
1: there's
2: a lot of stuff that goes into it that's not playing football it's weight room training it's classroom stuff it's uh, nutrition, it's sleep, it's taking care of your body, it's doing all these things. And, and that grind in itself that has nothing to do with football uh, wears on on guys as well. So I've always been thankful that I've, I've been able to handle those things really well.
1: That's awesome. Well, that's you very, it, really it, awesome.
2: it really
0: is fantastic. And your book is a terrific read. Um, it, it, it really flows awesome. And I understand exactly um, how much your dad means to you. You mentioned how your dad in the book and just now you did too. Uh, how multiple times your dad was more of a positive reinforcer on your life um, than a negative reinforcer, and you really appreciate that about him—about how he was always, you know, telling you about the good things that you did and, and how to be better in positive ways. Um, it, you mentioned Ohio State when you were in college. Um, you decided your junior year to, you know, go out on a limb and, and try out for not just any football program, but. Almost the football program in the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, if you could just describe, like, what that transitions like from being, you know, uh, someone who very clearly w- was prepared for it in, in their workout regimen and in their mentality, but just the transition that it takes to, to to transition to something as rigorous and demanding as Ohio State, and what that's like to go from just kind of a regular student to suddenly one of the best football players in the world
2: yeah I don't know about best football players in the world but I was just trying to make it but um no it was uh it was an interesting transition you know when I think of that transition for me I always think of like how humbled I was by it because I didn't play high school football so I would but at the same time I was playing against some of the best athletes in the world in rugby you know we played against South Africa, one of the junior world cups in 22 of their 26 rostered guys were professional, uh, professionally contracted. So, you know, I, I knew I was competing athletically with some of the best in the world. So I figured I could just go and compete with, you know, the guys at Ohio state and athletically, yeah, that kind of mesh well, but there was this whole other side of it being the football that I knew nothing about. And Uh, I really gained a lot of respect for the chess match, the ultimate chess match that football is because um, I was, again, I keep saying the word humbled by how much it was, how much detail there was, Um, not only situations, but personnel groupings. And, and I, I mean, don't get me started. It's just so much stuff that I had to learn. And um, for me, the easiest transition when, like you said, I walked on, uh, my first season wasn't my junior year in college I didn't have time to learn right so I had to figure out how to get on the field to um, get in the games and for me I'll always be grateful that special teams was an aspect of football because that was something I could go right into hey you know once the ball's kicked off go tackle the guy with the ball and for the most part that's pretty much it I could do that pretty quickly without knowing what I was doing in football in general. So um, that wasn't really my plan to go, you know, through special teams. But the, the plan was to try to get to the NFL. And, and I knew I could excel at special teams. And that was the route that I took. But, um, you know, back to that transition to Ohio State. Um, like I said, man, there were some really good athletes I played rugby against, but, uh, you know, Ohio state had some of the best athletes in the country, some five-star recruits, um, from all over, all over. I mean, like you said, it's one of the best football schools in the country. So, um, I, I knew what I was walking into, but, um, I really did believe in myself when it came to my athletic ability. And if I put my mind towards football, that, My athletic ability is good enough. Now I just have to learn and I just need to, you know, put myself out there and really take the time to learn this game. And I can do that. And that goes back to what you said at the beginning, you know, my dad was a positive reinforcer and, you know, I allude to that so much in the book because as a parent, I think it's extremely important. You know, as a young kid, I used to think about my dad and his always positively encouraging me and telling me how I, how much I was capable. I was always capable. I was always capable to constantly hear that I believed all the time. Uh, there was no doubt that I couldn't do something because all I heard was how I could do it. And then I was like, you know, confirmed in my action because I would do most of the things. So having that positive reinforcement was awesome. And then I would see some of these parents when I was a young kid talk to their kids a certain way and yell and tell them, I'm just, I didn't, not that I was mad at the, the, the anger or whatever. It just didn't make much sense to me. Like what? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? by talking to your child that way like what are you trying to get out of them because what you're doing and that's just not going to get the result that you you want um and it was just very evident to me so i i really want as a parent i I think parents need to read this book honestly um Mm -hmm. and i think that was a major aspect of of how he talked to me that was uh was important. And that carried over into my life. Like we said, you know, walking onto a school like Ohio State, I had the confidence and belief in myself when no one else did because I had his belief and that was enough. You know, I had my own belief in myself and that was enough. And I was able to uh, do do it with a lot of hard work and persistence and not breaking. But um, yeah, just one day at a time, I was able to do it. So interesting
1: you say that because, I mean, uh, from an athletic perspective, I'm sure, you know, the the you see phenomenal athletes playing rugby, and I'm sure a lot of that sort of goes unsung, you know, just because the the spotlight is different. And I'm curious, you know, I mean, I, I've got a couple of questions, but from like a social perspective, that must be a huge adjustment, too. You know, you're just a regular kid on campus one day, and then the next day you're in the locker room with the Terrell Priors of the world, the Carlos Hydes of the world, the Corey Lindsley's of the world, and I'm not sure how much exposure you get to those guys as a special teamer. But I'm sure just, you know, the overlap, the difference, you know, in that environment of, you know, one day being a college kid who works out a ton and plays rugby. And then, you know, the next day, you know, you're having lunch at the cafeteria with someone, you know, is going to get drafted in the first round next year. That has to take a, 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 you know, not a toll on you necessarily, but you know, that's definitely a a huge adjustment in and of itself. Am I, am I wrong in that?
2: Um, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, you know, once you're on that team, you're in that brotherhood and you're, and you're, part of it. And I earned it and I earned it in a right. way that, you know, a lot of those guys didn't have to, they were given five star scholarships and hey, come play for us. Like they put me through the ringer to be on that team. So yeah. in a way, I felt I deserved it as much as anyone. Um, you know, I just, I think at the end of the day, I was there to do a job. I I'm, you know, if you guys read the book or, you know, people listening, read the book, you know, this me walking onto Ohio state was right after my dad had passed. And, um, you know, we had the last conversation I had with my dad was at dinner after a workout where I told him I wanted to walk onto the football team. And we had a whole conversation about that. And, You know, as I alluded to that positive reinforcer that he was, I'm looking across the table at someone who I'm telling, hey, I don't want to play rugby, the sport you introduced me to that we love. I want to walk onto Ohio State and try to go to the NFL. And, you know, I had such a special person sitting across from me that believed in me more than I believed in myself. And, you know, not a lot of people have that. And I I had that. And he backed me right away and said, let's do it. And if we do it, let's do it all the way. So with him just having – the next day passed and then me trying to get over that. And within a month or two walking onto the football team, um, I had experienced, uh, a loss in my life that no one could really relate to, uh, especially f- from a foundation of, of who I was as a person, my best friend, I could talk about all that, but after that experience, I'm not worried about Terrell Pryor or whoever else is there, you know, um, I had such a changed perspective on life and how bad I could feel about things that me walking onto the football team and them saying, no, you can't be here or, you know, being intimidated or something by someone, that just was not something I was worried about. I just reached, like, the low of all lows in my life and, you know – so I, I, I'm just saying through that process, I was extremely like in my own world trying to process that, but also trying to struggle through the walk-on. Um, but ultimately, man, it, you know, aside from that, thinking about those types of things, like who's around me and, and yeah, this guy might be a first round draft pick or this guy's really good. Like that stuff doesn't do anything for me. Cause like, all I can do is what I can do. And when I'm on the field, if they're against me, I just need to hit him as hard as I can or do whatever I have to do to handle them. Um, When we're in the weight room, I'm focused on what I'm doing to lift weights, not no one, no one else's, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I've always had that perspective on like, what am I doing? Like every, what's in my control and things that aren't in my control, I don't give any energy to and worrying about other people is one of those things to me. So yeah,
1: it's actually so interesting you say that because I just read I just finished reading Matthew McConaughey's autobiography and mm-hmm. the we he, 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 he attended UT Austin undergrad and made a decision on a limb that he wanted to go to film school and him and his dad had a super close relationship too and the last conversation he had with his dad before he had a heart attack was, hey, I'm thinking about going to film school you know what do you what are your thoughts on it And uh, he said, you know what if this is something you want to do I support you unequivocally and he died of a heart attack the next week so not sure if you you and Matt McConaughey have many similarities outside of that but just something that I didn't came know that. That as, yeah That's as you true. were telling that story um but you know just just you know re- relating back to you know value systems because I think that it's evidently clear in your life that value systems play a huge role you know just in your in your day-to-day practices from yeah. the outside looking in you know there seems to be like A little bit of a tension in the value systems between what it takes to be a special teamer and sort of that positive reinforcement value system that your dad gave you. In that, you know, as a special teamer, I imagine you know you get a certain amount of plays a game, and there's a lot of pressure, you know, not to mess up. Did I lose
2: you? Yeah, I still hear you. Your audio is good. I hear you though.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. And that, you know, the pressure is always on and that, you know, mistakes are probably clapped down on, you know, pretty significantly And that, you know, it's almost a relationship of, hey, you know, you are here not to mess up and you are here to do your job. And if you do, there are consequences. I've seen it play out in hard knocks. And, you know, I'm sure that's sort of the nature of being a special teamer, you know, at all levels. I guess my question is, what would you say the core values of special teams are, and do you think that there are any overlaps or differences between those values and the values that your dad instilled in you?
2: That's a big uh, question. I like it, but um, you know, ultimately, kind of like you said, when you make a mistake on special teams, it can be game-changing. Uh, yeah, one, you know, you know, one play series is what we like to call it. You know, uh, we don't get four downs. And if you run the wrong route or you miss a tackle and somebody else tackles him, you know, we're good. We'll just play another down, you know, (laughs) it's not like that. I mean, you got one, one shot at it. And uh, when you are running down the field, if if you don't make that play, um, you know, and nobody makes it, that's a, that could be a touchdown going the other way for the other team. And that's, I mean, you see how competitive these games in the NFL are. I mean, a touchdown in special teams is, is just such an impactful play. So you know, it is a one-play series. You can't make mistakes. Uh, It's probably the most violent plays on the field. Um, You know, you have those things, but ultimately, in a way, I think you need to have, you need to, you know, be humbled in the sense that, like, a lot of people have this perspective on special teams that, you know, like, they're too good to play because they just want to play offense or defense, but you know, to be a professional special teams player, I mean, not very many guys on a roster can do that, right? None of the offensive linemen can do it. They're too slow. Right. And and for the most part, none of the defensive linemen can do it because they're also too slow. Um, you know, you've got your starting safeties that play so many plays, they're not going to be able to play all the special teams as well. It's just with, it's too much of a toll, a demand on the body. So. Like now you're looking at how many positions do you even have left for an active day roster that a guy is good enough to play an offensive or defensive position if something were to happen to a starter. But they're also fast enough and strong enough and violent enough to play in the kicking game and make an impactful play, but also with the ability to understand the entire playbook from a special teams perspective. Um, with with what you're doing that week and the entire, you know, let's say defensive playbook for what you're doing that week and be able to handle that load. I mean, that's, that's a big demand when you look at the NFL and you're talking about the roster size. Right. Um, So, so in a way, I don't know, for me coming from new England, it was like, Bill did such a great job of making, you know, he, he understood that the game is three Um, three phases, right? Offense, defense, and special teams. And and then you have to play complementary football to win football games. Like they have to complement each other. And especially when you play tough, you know, top level Super Bowl type big important games, it has to be complementary. And because of that, he did such a great job of, um, you know, really showing the team um, the plays in the kicking game that were a huge part of our success, a huge part of a win. Um, just as much as a tackle or an interception or whatever a, a re- reception, I mean, he would go through the whole game, but he would keep it equal throughout the three phases. And, and I come from that, you know, nobody is, you know, he didn't treat Tom any differently than he treated a, you know, a free agent rookie. Um, so when all those things are on a level playing field, you really get judged by how hard you work, how good of a teammate you are and, and you know what you're doing production-wise on the field, um, that stuff, that ego, those things about, you know, it's me, me guys that want to be the like catch all the touchdown passes, that stuff kind of goes out the window and where you just really have this cohesive team. So in a way, I never felt like I was, you know, in a lesser position because of playing special teams. But I think that some people have that perspective um, and, you know, I think it's unfortunate because I've been able to make a a great career for myself playing in the kicking game. And um, some of the best football players I know are great special teams players. So um, ultimately, man, yeah, I think in a way sometimes you got to be humbled uh, because it's also the type of play that's extremely violent and you're not going to get the other guy hundred percent of the time you're going to get got every once in a while. And you just got to, you got to get them more than they get you. But Um, yeah, like I said, it's violent and there's big collisions and sometimes, you know, you get hit and you don't, nobody wants it, but it happens and you got to be humbled. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, but at the end of the day, it's, it's part of the game and and I'm doing my part as much as anyone else. And I think, uh, it's kind of that team perspective that, you know, from my dad, you asked that carries over and, um, you know, you just focusing on me and doing as best as I can, you know, that's my job. So I'm going to do that job to the best of my ability. Um that that's kind of what he taught me with what I would do in a day-to-day basis you know if we were crushing cars in the junkyard just it <laughs> needs to be done in the, the right way you might as well just do it as best as you can um and yeah that definitely carries over into into what I do with special teams but I think it, it carries over into everything too so it's hard for me to just put in on that that's awesome Matt go yeah. ahead
0: yeah, no, that's that's terrific. Thanks so much for that, Nate. Um, you played on a lot of different stages um, in your entire career. I mean, the Patriots definitely being drafted by them allowed you to play um, in a number of Super Bowls that are unprecedented for for most players in NFL history. But you also, you know, played on, in the Olympics, which is something that no one else in currently playing in the NFL um, has that experience. Uh, when you look at you know from your your upbringing, uh, playing amateur rugby to to World Rugby Championships where you were the MVP multiple times, or or Super Bowls in the NFL, or again the, the 2016 Olympics, um, when when you think back to to to, to those experiences, um, how do those how do they differ? And but also how are they similar? And and which ones stand out to you? If there are any moments that stand out to you from from your entire time as an athlete. Um, just, yeah. How, how, how are rugby and, and football and, and a little similar or a little different? That's a big
1: also, I'm, I'm curious to hear about the environments. How are the environments yeah. of the two similar and different?
2: Well, we'll just, I can talk about the sports themselves being different <laughs> in such a big way. So we'll just, we'll just talk about the experiences and how they were. I mean, yeah, you asked what sticks out in my mind as an experience. I would definitely, obviously, the Super Bowls stick out. Um, those moments were huge. Some AFC Championship games to get there um, sure. were huge. Uh, I think at Kansas City and um, the, the most previous one when we played the LA Rams, um, that was uh, unreal. Uh, I think about the World Cups, junior World Cups, as a you know under 19, under 20 player, where you know, I'm some high school kid that's 16 and I'm going to Dubai and the United Arab Emirates to go for a month and play in this world cup. And he thought it was like Harry Potter, you know, and I'm going to, uh, you know, the world cup, if you will, and, and, and playing against these other people and getting these life experiences, man, that were so cool. I mean, that's the one thing about rugby that always will have a leg up on football. You know, football is, uh, even from, even from college, you know, it's all business. It's, it's, you know, college, you take the bus or you take the plane and you go to that city, you play or you stay in the hotel, you wake up, you play, you come home, um, you know, you get back to work. NFL, same thing. You fly all over the country to play these games sometimes, you know, from the stadium bus to the airport, I'm on the plane, straight onto another bus to the hotel, hotel, straight on another bus to the stadium and then same thing straight back. You don't even see like the outside, right? Other than the field. So you don't get a lot when it comes to those experiences. Whereas, like I said, 16 years old, I'm going to Dubai. And the other side of the world, you know, 16-hour plane flight. I'm there for a month. I learned a new culture. Um, you know, just what a cool experience that was. I, and then on the other side of that, we had a world, we had a junior World Cup qualifier in South America in Guyana which was this is the second poorest country in the Western hemisphere. And, you know, I get to see this whole other side of like really almost third world life that is so difficult and the things that we take for granted, you know, uh, in the United States. Um, and you just see how tough they've got it, right? And I mean, what cool experiences to have at a young age. And then, and then you have things like, you know, countries that are very comparable to ours where I'm going to, you know, Wales or, or England and you're staying there, but you know, everything's so compact there. So I had just have this appreciation for the space that we have in the United States and, and, and those types of things. And ultimately those rugby experiences have given me such an appreciation for the country that I live as I'm sitting here with my USA rooted, uh, you know shirt on but yeah and genuinely did you know those experiences as a young kid taking me all over the world spending not just a day to play a game and fly back but weeks and and even months at times in these locations uh that's what's so cool about playing a global sport like rugby is you get to go see the world and, and for for what it lacks in in finances which it definitely does relative to the nfl uh, it, it tries to make up an experience and, and does a great job. I mean, it's so amazing to get to go to all these places in the world, just to play a game you love and play it against other people. I mean, those are experiences I would never trade, you know, and you're used to, you know, you're playing rugby. So in some cases you're playing in front of stands that you're familiar with and, and the NFL, maybe not quite that size, but um, then there's times where you're playing on a field with, know 30 people watching and and that's just how it goes and and that you know it doesn't bother you it's just kind of what it is and uh they've both been great experiences but you know to sum it up the, the ones I think about are definitely uh the junior world cups those experiences in life that they gave me the the olympics I mean what that meant to me um after the career that I've kind of had and and then obviously winning super bowls and 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 go into that through that experience not only the super bowl but the the ring ceremonies and the, the parades and stuff like what a what a cool experience I, those all those combined i just i would never trade any one for another but they're all just so special to me that's awesome
1: that's awesome and just sort of wrapping up here I mean, the audience that you're you're sort of speaking to right now is a, a, a college student audience. You know, we're a college radio department, you know, pretty much all of our listeners are college students. And, you know, as someone who obviously went to college, but you know, more importantly, has just had a a, a bevy of interesting and unique life experiences. I guess what 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 message would you send to, you know, kids? ages 20 or 19 to 23, who are sort of figuring it out, figuring out who they want to become and sort of what, 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 what have your value pillars and just life experiences, you know, sort of shown you about what it means to be this age in life?
2: Um, that's a great question. I mean, I could think of a lot of different answers, but really what I think about is, uh, you know, doing everything in your life as best as you can do it and not picking and choosing what you know qualifies as this is going to get all of my effort and this is only going to get half of my effort or a quarter of my effort or, or, or whatever don't don't do that just do everything you choose to do with everything that you have and if you can't do that maybe you've got too much on your plate so let's peel it back and let's just try to do what we choose to do in life do it with all we have and, and do it as best as you can. I think that's a great place to start and you'd be surprised at the outcomes you'll get with everything that you choose to do if you go hard at things like that. And, and ultimately you're the only person who can be the fair judge in that. Um, you need to be honest with yourself. Um, we all have things that we know we have asked, so you gotta take ownership of those. Uh, but I think creating that pattern and that standard for yourself and that repetition of just being in a routine of doing everything you do in your life as best as you possibly can do it. And feeding that positive talker in your head that encourages you, that tells you you can do it and you can put forth the energy and you will have success and just take one step at a time during that process. And, uh, you know, I'm a believer that you know, you've got the two voices, you've got the positive and negative, you've got the good and the bad. And, um, you know, when you feed that good voice uh, that voice comes out more in you, when you silence the other one uh, it's not as prevalent And you, that becomes a routine for you. That becomes a consistency where you become a positive speaker to yourself and, and a, and a person who has confidence and encourages themselves and believes in themselves. But you, you, you build that through repetition every day and do everything in your life as, as best and as hard as you can with, with all, all that you have. And, and, and you won't have any regrets if, if it doesn't work out. That, that's been a big tell in my, in my life, so.
1: That's huge. that's huge. Well, listeners and really anyone who's interested, Finish Strong, A Father's Code and A Son's Path by Nate Ebner is available everywhere now. You're looking for a, a nice kick in the ass and a, a little wake-up call. I would strongly advise reading the book. There it is, right there. Looks awesome. Love the love the cover. Matt, you got anything else? No,
0: just thank you so much, Nate, for joining us. Uh, it was terrific listening to you talk and hear the stories that you had to say. Um, like Alex said, "Finish strong." A father's good and the son's bath. It's on Amazon.
2: lose him he cut
1: out on (laughs) me he did cut out a little bit I will finish his sentence Amazon anywhere you find your books give give Nate a shout um Nate thank you so much for coming on spending the time with us today uh hopefully we get to connect again at some point in the future but uh until then best of luck to you and uh yeah thank you so much again for your time
2: no worries thanks for having me I appreciate the time guys have a good one yeah
1: you as well